Welcome to the Activist Insight Podcast, Beyond the Boardroom, a supplement to our monthly podcast, which takes you through the top shareholder activism stories, as told by Activist Insight Monthly. Here we discuss shareholder activism with some of the industry's top experts. I'm Ilana DeRay, a financial reporter with Activist Insight, and today we are chatting with Derek Bork, a partner at law firm Thompson Hine, based in Cleveland, Ohio. Derek is a partner in the firm's Corporate Transactions and Securities Practice Group, where he focuses on shareholder activism, proxy contests, and hostile takeovers, as well as board and special committee matters, securities law and reporting, and mergers and acquisitions. Today, Derek will talk with us about shareholder activism in the small cap space. 151 small cap firms were publicly subjected to activist demands so far this year, compared to 147 in the large cap space and 111 in the mid cap space, according to Activist Insight Online. Board-related proposals were the most frequent types of demands advanced by activists at small-cap companies, representing 40.5% of all demands. Meanwhile, nearly 16% of demands were governance-related and 15% related to M&A activism. Engine Capital was the most active shareholder in the small-cap space, targeting 16 companies as of January 2013. Gamco Investors and Engaged Capital tied for a close second with 15 targeted small-cap firms. Hi Derek, thanks for joining us on the Activist Insight Podcast today. For my first question, I'd like to know what vulnerabilities to activism do small-cap firms have that their larger peers might not have? Yeah, thanks Alana. Small cap companies, you know, can be more vulnerable to an activist campaign because it's easier to accumulate a position in a small cap company that can be significant in terms of voting power. Their shareholder bases are sometimes concentrated, so it's easy for an activist to gain support quickly. I also think small cap companies aren't always prepared for an activist campaign. This has been changing somewhat over time as activism has been growing, but I think small cap companies sometimes, for example, don't keep in contact with their largest shareholders. They don't always have the right advisors to help with an activist situation. The biggest change that we've seen is that small cap companies recently have been hiring law firms that specialize in activist defense. I think this is both good and bad for companies. I think in many cases, this leads to companies fighting back against activists too aggressively or engaging in technical maneuvers um, and not considering the long-term impact of those actions on the company. So who are the common players in the small cap space? And what does this mean for corporations? I think the players in the small cap space are a little different than in the large cap space. I think it's also more of a varied group. So we typically see smaller hedge funds, large individual investors, family offices, and I think what people call the occasional activist. Sometimes hedge funds are just one-time activists. For a company, I I think this means that when you're meeting with an investor, they may not be an activist on the day of your meeting, but they could decide to become an activist later, and they could decide to become an activist rather quickly. So I think you can't underestimate the new activist or the occasional activist, because I think they can become credible rather quickly. They can hire good advisors. They can talk to shareholders and former executives very quickly. Um, We've helped a lot of first-time activists take control of small cap companies and to do that fairly quickly. 
Now, what are the challenges that small cap firms face in contested situations compared to their larger peers? Now, I think small cap companies definitely have more limited resources. They have smaller management teams. They have a smaller pool of advisors. It's easy for management to be distracted by an activist campaign. Sometimes members of management are on the board and can be the direct targets of an activist campaign. It can be distracting to management to have a press release pop up that attacks the manager's background or record of performance or maybe an action that they took in the past that the activist thinks was improper. It's easy for management to lose focus on the business, similar to what might happen when an M&A deal is pending. And if the performance of the business suffers, this can be damaging to the company's position, not only in the campaign in the short run, but also in the long run. How important are proxy advisor recommendations in the small cap space? Is it crucial for a company to receive the support of advisors like ISS and Glass-Lewis? The proxy advisor recommendations are not always as important in a small cap campaign, and this can be pretty significant. The largest shareholders at a small cap company don't always follow the voting recommendations of the proxy advisors. There may be a path to winning a shareholder vote just through large individual holders. In some cases, there are no institutional investors invested in a small cap company. That doesn't mean that the parties ignore ISS and Glass-Lewis. If the company or an activist can get the support of ISS or Glass-Lewis, that will typically end up being publicized in a press release or in another way. Shareholders you know, typically see that endorsement as being important. But I think the key point here is that an activist can typically map out a strategy to win a campaign that doesn't require ISS or Glass-Lewis support. That can reduce the uncertainty for the activists in engaging in the campaign. So I know some think that smaller cap firms tend to have weaker governance practices than their larger peers. Is this a fair depiction? Is it accurate? I think that's right, but I don't know that you know having the corporate governance structure in place necessarily leads to better outcomes or decisions for boards. Companies need to have structures in place that are required by the SEC and the exchanges, but whether a board operates effectively, I think, comes down to whether or not the board is committed to making good decisions and you know truly committed to exercising oversight. We've seen some pretty egregious situations where management was engaged in some pretty bad behavior. In those cases, the company's going to be pretty vulnerable to an activist campaign or being taken over altogether. You know, the company in those cases is also pretty unlikely to be able to put together good defense to an activist campaign. I'm curious to learn, are activists motivated more by M&A at small cap firms, or do they also undertake operational campaigns at these companies? We see both types of campaigns. Investors in the small cap space have a variety of investment theses, just like in the large cap space, and they engage in activism to advance their investment theses. I think the big difference in the small cap space is that an operational campaign is more realistic. Taking full board control is more realistic. It's easier in the small cap space to win full board control. It's easier to do that quickly. Um, it's, e- it's easier to acquire a stake that's more significant. It's easier to round up votes that's necessary to win board seats or win full control of a board. It's also easier to run a campaign on a budget. The cost of an activist campaign needs to be realistic in relation to the size of an investment. And that can be done effectively in the small cap space. Say a CEO of a small cap firm is listening to this podcast. What advice would you give him or her? I think there's a tendency for companies to view activism as sort of a one-shot deal. An activist campaign likely ends up at a shareholder vote at some point. And executives, I think, sometimes focus only on winning the vote 
and don't think about resolving the matter with the activists on a long-term basis. An activist, you know, certainly wants to win the shareholder vote, but they aren't just going to immediately go away if they lose a shareholder vote. As, as part of a shareholder vote, executives usually have to communicate a plan for the company to shareholders, and sometimes they make promises to shareholders to get their votes. After the vote, an, an activist can hold the company accountable to the plan that they've publicized, can hold the company accountable to the promises that they've made to shareholders. It's possible over the long term for the company to lose shareholder vote if they don't perform against their plan or if they don't keep their promises. It's possible that an activist loses a shareholder vote but ultimately has a good argument that's compelling to shareholders. After a vote, whether it's successful or not, the activist typically just starts planning its next steps. I think there's also a uh, temptation for boards, particularly at small cap companies, to hire advisors that promote sort of a scorched earth strategy or win at all costs strategy. I don't think that serves the company's best interests. Fighting aggressively or engaging in technical maneuvers you know, aimed at frustrating an activist, I think, isn't good in the long run. Ultimately, if a board takes actions that look to be motivated by entrenchment, that's not going to help their position with shareholders in the long term. Thanks so much. It was great having you here. Yep. Thank you. That was Derek Bork, a partner at Thompson Hine. That's it for this episode of the Activist Insight Podcast, Beyond the Boardroom. If you would like to join us on a future episode, or if you have any comments or questions, please email press at activistinsight.com. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Ilana DeRay. Thanks for listening.